Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 252. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan. Tyler is off, so he broke his streak. Tyler's yeah. streak ends. All, I've got to put up like a gift. things must like, come to an end. I've got to put up a gift. It wasn't good, though. i got to put up a gift that, uh, like the days since last incident where they like take it down to zero. Uh, <laughs> but Tyler, Tyler is not with us today. The Red Wings are well, back. When you from- say it like that, it sounds really bad. He's not dead, guys. He's, Tyler's he's not, not dead. Tyler is no longer with us. Yeah, well, he's not dead. He's still uh, he's still with the podcast. He's just uh, not here tonight. He's with us in spirit currently, I guess. Not even because he's not even thinking about this. But the Red Wings are back from Sweden um, after a couple disappointing results. Not, not so it. much as like disappointing like games because the games themselves were good. Just the results were disappointing and parts of the game were bad, like real bad. Uh, there's some news about the what I guess they aren't calling a World Cup of Hockey, but is what's going to replace the World Cup of Hockey. We've got thoughts on what needs to change uh, going forward. But Ryan, how are you tonight leading into Thanksgiving weekend? Well, for some reason, I wanted to torture myself as we started talking about this and rewatch highlights from the Ottawa game. and. I'm just getting upset. So other than that, I'm pretty good. You're starting strong. That's what you're yeah. we're starting strong. Uh, I guess the first thing that we can jump into is a World Cup of hockey stuff, I guess. So there was rumbling. Not the good version. The, a, a no. bad, who knows what the hell they're trying to think of version. The watered down garbage version. So apparently the start rumbling started like we're going to get another World Cup of hockey or another hockey tournament maybe not call it World Cup of Hockey, on the off years, like, do it in 2025, and then in 2026, you got the Olympics, right? So uh, they apparently hammered it out, or this is where it's at so far. But Greg Wyshynski put out an article on ESPN, but he also put out a tweet. It says, the current plan for the 2025 World Cup of Hockey, which will not be called World Cup of Hockey, will be four yeah, national okay. teams, U.S., Canada, Sweden, and Finland. Weird. Uh, Russia's not invited. There is a chance the U.S. and Canada play three times, which to me is excessive. And then the next proper World Cup might not be until 2028. So that would be two years after the Olympics. So for, Olympics- those, for those keeping track and counting, that's roughly a little over four years, maybe five years away. But the Olympics have four year breaks in between, right? So like four yep. years between every Winter Olympics. It would be in between Winter Olympics at that point. Yeah. Because, right? Because we have the summer coming up this year. So 20, that would mean 26 is the winter, right? 
Yeah, 2026 is Winter Olympics. So I'd put that'd be the midway point. So it'd almost be kind of like the Euros, what they do. I would say though that like I understand having it in 2025 and then 2026 having, but you can't evenly spread it out. Like you can't do like you have the Olympics and then two years you have the World Cup and then two years the Olympics because it's an even number of years between Olympics years. So it's weird. Um, but it's I don't like the four nation system because you're leaving out a lot of players. Oh, yeah. We were talking about it in the discord. And I believe there's a, a giant majority of the NHL is is will be left out of this tournament. So it won't really be a best on best tournament because a bunch of players are going to be left out. Oh, I like this actually. I'm just now seeing the graphic posted by Kessel. Yeah, Players that's what I was country. talking about. Sweden. Okay, so they're going literally with the top four in terms of players by country. But I mean, you're leaving out the Czechs, the Swiss, Slovakia, Denmark, Germany. So what we're looking at is a is a pie chart, and I'll put this pie oh. chart up for everyone to look at on YouTube if you're watching us on. Is there. that recent? Uh that is. Uh, I guess. I don't know when that doesn't have a date on it, but it says there are 391 Canadian players, 237 U, uh, U.S. players, 89 Swedish players, 49 Finnish players, 38 from Russia, 37 from the Czech Republic or Czechia or whatever they want to be called now. That's enough to field a team. 13 from Switzerland, nine from Slovakia, seven from Denmark, six from Germany, Three from Austria, two from France, two from Norway, one from Australia, one from Latvia, one from Netherlands. Hello, Daniel Sprong. And one from Slovenia. So you could make an entire team called miscellaneous or et cetera or other nations or something. Yeah. And so they did for the last, the actual last World Cup they did. You could make two more teams out of that. Was it Team Europe? It was Team Europe. Yeah. Yeah. But you could make two more teams out of that. You could give... Czech Republic their own team and then you can make another team out of everyone else so that would be six teams instead of four and I think you would include I mean you'd include far more NHL players by doing that look this was I mean this is the opportunity you have though I mean team Europe was stacked now mind you this is 2016 so you're thinking some of these guys are prime but you had Thomas Grice he was 30 Philip Grubauer was 24 at the time Yaroslav Halak that's your goaltending group from that. So you had two Germans and a Czech. Is that a Slovak? No, Slovakia. I'm sorry. And then on defense, you have another Slovak, Zdeno Char at the time, Christian Erhoff from Germany, two Swiss and Yossi and Lucas Abiza. Then Dennis Seidenberg, Andre Sekera, and Mark Street. That's a stout defense from, I mean, now you've only looked at three countries so far, but Pierre Edward Belmare, he's still actually around. He's French. Uh, dry yes, sidle. Shocker. Um, let's see. Marion Gabrick was still going. Marion Hosa, Anze Kopitar, Nino Niederreiter. I'm going to skip this individual who we will never speak of again. Tomasz Tatar, Thomas Vanek, and Matt Zuccarello. Like that, this was a good team. Nothing like crazy, but you have superstars. And you've still got high level players that are not from the listed countries that are going to be there. Now, Good for them. They get a full summer off, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like what they're trying to do is they're watering it down too much. They're yeah. making it too, not watering it down too much, but maybe too finely narrowing it where you're going to miss out on a bunch of players. And like, I'd love to see Mo Sider 
play like a national tournament like that, but he won't yeah. be able to because he's not from one of the listed countries. So, I mean, it is what it is, and maybe it'll change some, stu- uh, change some stuff afterwards or leading up to it or make another team or revise things. These are just getting set now, and they've got two years or a year, a full year at least, to kind of hammer it out and, and, and work with the players to see what they want to do. Because, I mean, if, if all of them can't participate, I would assume the ones, unless they have an opt-out where they can say, I don't want to play, Unless they have an opt-out, I think they'd be pretty mad to be forced to play when others aren't because there's no team for them. I don't think there's... I mean, this isn't going to have the same flair as the Olympics, so I feel like it's going to be like the summer worlds that you see where you think that, you know, you're going to have a Larkin, and then you're like, no, I need to heal. Especially if they're going to be having this in the summer, which is that you said was going to be the case for this? Like, it's... I believe so. I didn't see a date on it. Well, you can't think that for just the World Cup, they're going to do this. It's the NHL, Ryan. Would you be surprised? No, they won't even break for the freaking Olympics. Are you kidding me right now? Like, they're not going to stop for some four-team scramble. Ready, Ryan? Ready? The International Hockey Tournament is scheduled for February 2025. In the middle. Actually, almost toward the end of the regular season. When teams are trying to push for playoff spots. So you're going to try to do this maybe a week to three weeks prior to a trade deadline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? That's what they're apparently going to do. Um, so in other words, it's not going to include NHLers at this point, And that's going to make a great fucking thumbs up to the owners again. Then what's the point? No one's going to give a shit about this. At least with the last World Cup of Hockey. I just read through Team Europe. You had all-star talent on this roster. And it was right before preseason started. It was perfect. You got all these guys fresh, all these guys getting into it. I got to see USA and Canada down when I was living in Columbus. It was freaking awesome. And it was a great atmosphere for just a, a pre-tournament game. Oh, God. From what I read previously as well, I think that they said there would be no outside of the NHL players. Like no players from the KHL or anything like that invited. So you're going to have, are you, are they going to then like force the NHLPA's hand in this one? Because no, here you go. Ready? Another paragraph. Okay. The tournament would be completed in around a week. The NHL would pause games during the event. The tournament format and location of games have yet to be finalized. There's a chance that the entire tournament could be handled or could be held in one location. So we're not seeing Olympics in the next go round is what you're saying. No, but then they also said that they want to do Olympics in 2026. Yeah. Okay. So there again, I mean, it's the NHL. <laughs> Screw whatever this is. Just give me the Olympics. Well, because it, it says that this would happen before the 2026 Winter Olympics. So they want to stage an international tournament ahead of the Winter Olympics. So meaning do this and the next year you guys can go to the Olympics. But it just seems like. Right now, a huge mess. Like, let's pause the season for a week in the middle of people chasing for playoff spots to play in an international tournament. Yeah, but I mean, so I guess in, the, in a way it's nice because it'll be here in the U.S. and Canada, right? You'd have to. if you're. They said they haven't to, picked a location yet. Well, it's not going to be overseas. I can tell you that much. I, I don't know, Ryan. <laughs> they don't, they no don't even know. There's they no don't even know. Way. I mean, we had Larkin even... 
subtly, but not so subtly saying he's not a fan of having to go to Sweden for a week. Yeah. Um, I, that's a mess. I mean, that's also a mess. So I guess my thoughts on this is it's real screwed up right now. Yeah. Uh, there is no structure, no final plan. It's still in planning, but the way that it is currently planned seems awful. Like <laughs> it seems awful to do in the middle, like towards the end of a regular season around the trade deadline with people being left out and other guys forced to participate. It just, it doesn't, it makes no sense to me. Which I mean, it's so frustrating because this is all we've been asking for is the best of these countries, especially the U S over the last, what, eight years. Yeah. Can be competitive at the highest level. Canada is still a freak show of a team, but my God, give them a chance. And the NHL says here, we're going to give it to you, but you're going to hate it. You're going to hate how we give it to you. We don't want you to enjoy this. No, we're going to give it to you. And it's going to be so bad that we want you to never ask for it again. That's what it's going to be. The donkey punch forced in. So we're going to move on. Ryan had mentioned this before the Sweden trip. Uh, We're going to talk about the Ottawa game. I think we'll do that. We'll take a break and then we'll come back and talk about the Toronto game. Uh, and what we think needs to be fixed going forward. But the Ottawa game, uh, so the Red Wings went to Sweden, and, and you are right. Dylan Larkin basically said it's a major inconvenience. Not yeah. that he doesn't love going over there and playing games and yes. fun stuff. Caveat, but they, had, they definitely enjoyed themselves. Sure, which no is question. great. They had fun. It was like a little vacation for them, both on and off the ice. But they were able to go there. So it's like they had to take a five-day break between their last game and when they played in Sweden. So it's a lot of lag time. On and top then of the travel time. from Friday, they haven't played since Friday. They do not play again until Wednesday. So that's another huge break. But then they play every other day until Christmas. So that is what Dylan Larkin is upset about. And rightfully so, because mm-hmm. you'd get onesie, twosie day breaks. You'd play a game, be off a day, play a game, be off a day, play a game, be off two days, maybe sometimes three days. But now they're playing every other day, which is exhausting. It leaves more room for injury, less time yeah. for recovery. And it just, it's a mess. And I don't, I, I get doing these international games and it's really cool. And it's a really cool exposure. But don't do five day gaps in between going and coming back. It makes no sense. And the crowd was fantastic for each of the games we were, they were a part of. And uh, it, 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 obviously that makes sense because it's Sweden. It's one of the best hockey nations in the world. But the break, I, I don't. I get it, but I don't because it sucks traveling. It takes you a couple of days to adjust to the time because it was what six hours ahead. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a pretty decent jump. It, it gets dark at three p.m. there apparently. Oh, that's right. I remember. I do remember them talking about that in the broadcast. But with any athlete, you're you're a creature of habit. But it seems that hockey players take it to a whole new level of what they are used to and accustomed to when it comes to the day to day. And I mean, for one, you're going to start seeing a lot less practice updates. I'm sure. Maybe a lot more optional skates that are going to start getting mixed in with the way that the schedule is going to go. We're already not sure what the heck's going on with Wallman. And I know I'm, I'm probably jumping the gun here and mentioning his injury, but any type of small nick or bump, like you're going to have guys missing a game. And it could be a very important player. Like that, that, at least with Wallman getting hurt against Toronto, we had this layoff between. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So a five-day break, which it sounds like he may end up being available for Wednesday, depending. But I'll let you touch on what happened here in a minute. Yeah, I'm just, like you said, I'm worried about injuries. I'm worried about 
them just being freaking tired. It's the layover. You're right. Layover, time change, jet lag, lack of practice within the last few days. It sucks. And it's, I mean, I like, like I said, I like it. I love the international games. It's cool. It's great for the people in those countries that get to go see NHL hockey. It's cool to see your team do it over there. Just the scheduling is abysmal. Like you've got to, like it's, there's some way they have to be able to fix it. Um, but the Red Wings did start off by playing the Ottawa Senators. They lost five to four in overtime. Not a bad game for the Red Wings minus two people. Uh, the game itself was good. I mean, the Red Wings came out, came out heavy, um, played a good game, solid all around. Uh, they dominated I mean, the first 10 minutes, but didn't show for it. But James Ryan, I mean, there, I think there are a couple that were what you could consider soft on James Reimer. It was just the pairing, and we talk about it every episode now I've until it's it going to give me an aneurysm. Jeff Petrie and Ben Sherratt cannot play hockey together. They cannot Ever. be on the Again. ice at the same time. They coast in the zone. They will pass the blue line and coast. Doesn't matter. Face that the wrong goal, direction. Ottawa scored. To a T for Sherratt after Petrie got burned. They collapse to the behind the net. Everyone collapses on one player behind the net, leaving I'm sorry, the Debrinket, wide open. Debrinket got burned. Wide Chirot open in the slot. Petrie was coming in late, not skating through the zone, not on anyone, and Sherratt was just completely freaking lost. I counted at least three times where Ben Sherratt went dead controller like controller disconnected and he just skates off into la la land in the corner. And I don't, it's, it, I don't know if it's, he just has no energy. If he's disinterested, if he doesn't know how to play his position, but when you have two guys that are that bad at defense currently playing together and they're on ice for three of the four even strength goals, completely, completely unacceptable. At that point, it's a coaching problem. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that a lot. And honestly, a little bit right now I'm starting to look at is what the hell is Andrew Coppin doing defensively, especially? His best? There, <laughs> in key opportunities, he has been garbage in the faceoff dot. Yep. He's sub 50%. On the first goal on the PK, I think actually a lot you can point towards Cop completely going up the boards for some reason when you had all three of your guys down low to include Sherrod and Petrie. But oh, Sherrod just, he, he's a guy, when he's with a Hall, even with Cider, like the, you can't have him with someone that's going to step up or be aggressive because that's what he has done since day one. He steps up into people, and by God, if you don't have someone there to cover for him, you're screwed. And typically that's going to be your other defenseman. And right now, like going through these Ottawa highlights in particular, the first one was on the PK. I don't want to necessarily say he was out of position, but why were you being so aggressive on the boards when you already had two guys there? The second goal, literally your controller died moment where he's coasting back, somehow doesn't have any idea the fact that freaking Brady Kachuk is on the ice, skating right behind him. The puck goes through his legs of all places. Like, what do you think the puck's going to do? Like, what were you watching in that whole entire sequence? That's the problem. Nothing. Was watching nothing apparently because oh, there's so yeah. much blown coverage that it just it blows my mind that they just and again coaching continues to trot them out there on the same pair and try it again and again and again and 
the same thing happens again and again and again. So if you look at the game card, Ben Schrott and Jeff Petrie were literal black holes on the bottom. Absolute garbage. Your best players in the Ottawa Senators game were Shane Gossespair, Oli Mata, David Prawn, JT Confer. JT Confer continues to be one of the Red Wings' best players on a nightly Down. basis. He, he's like, in a great position. He, he's getting a little too much Val Philpola syndrome sometimes, but his shot's been, when it actually he does use it, is fantastic. Yeah, and then Lucas Raymond opens up scoring in Sweden, which is mm-hmm. amazing. He scored in both games and continues to be hot as well. He's flying around the ice. He's hitting people. He's going to corners and digging out pucks. Lucas Raymond is doing exactly what you wanted him to do going into this season. He is realizing the player that he is, and it's fantastic to watch. But unless we fix this defensive issue, and we'll talk about it again during the Toronto, when you talk about the Toronto game, unless we can fix this, this team is screwed. There yeah. is no chance. You cannot, and we keep saying you cannot score four or five goals a game, and they keep doing it. But again, no matter how much they keep doing it now, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to do that, especially with how bad your power play is now. It's just not sustainable to score five goals a game. So as I'm, as you're explaining that, like watching the third goal in particular with Petrie and Sherrod out there, Detroit is straight man-to-man defense. But I, I don't understand why, because Petrie decides to completely follow his man up the boards, leaving your defenseman as Lucas Raymond, rather than switching off of your guy and staying with the guy along the boards down low, which then caused a complete mix up in communication between Larkin and Raymond, because Raymond then went back to the guy in the corner and Petrie's nowhere to be fucking found. Like, is this just them not following the system, not communicating or dementia it's got to be both i mean it's got to be a system issue and a communication issue where you would think that there'd be a quick rotation right there right you have your guy going up then okay there's ray ray hey take him i'm staying down here in the slot that's an instant board swap that's all it is that's what it should have been i just i maybe they're getting too over aggressive that seems like an over aggressive move where petrie's like i've got this i've got this i've got it up following his man to the point that's the worst part. They easily could have switched off with each other. They could have, but I think they're overcompensating for themselves. Like now, they want to be the one to do situation, it. Which is why it speaks to the, the man to man. But I guess it move. goes back. To, it goes, it goes to don't be the hero guy. Just don't be the hero. You're not the hero. Let a guy take over for your coverage. But that's what I'm saying. Like, cause then you've got those two switching out with each other. So Raymond stays low. But now you've got Larkin not realizing that a switch apparently happened because now he stayed with the guy at point as they rotated through, which led to a one-timer that beats Reimer. Like, it was the whole first period of that game was an absolute mess. Yeah. And it, it caused Jeff Petrie to get benched against Toronto. But if you look at the Corsi uh, for that game, you've got the Red Wings, most players with high Corsi. They played very well. Uh, majority of your team minus three people were above 50%. JT Confer, Andrew Kopp, and David Perron were below 50% Corsi, meaning that the they com- they controlled play under 50% of the time when those players were on the ice uh, at five on five. This is even strength Corsi. But it's just that Ben Sherratt and Jeff Petrie killed that game for you. That and, I mean, over time, again, just... Hit the deck, I guess, and pray that you stop the puck. But it was just not. 
Petrie can't skate. Like he, I, there's been glimpses where if he's, if you're sticking him str- like squarely in the offensive zone, that's your best chance. But the last several games that he's been out there in the offensive zone, particularly on the power play, is the puck is a leg magnet for the opposite team, and then it's going the other way. Like the things that he thought he could do I, has basically left him, and it's frustrating because you know that the talent was there. We saw we you look at just the points alone and what he was doing. He was effective last year on the on the power play and special teams, but it, there's something missing. Whether it's him not just getting comfortable with the team or the scheme, or if age really has caught up to him, and I hate saying it that way because he's our age, but whatever. We're not professional athletes, Ryan. There's <laughs> a big difference. Uh, but James Reimer leaves that game with five goals. Uh, he didn't have five goals against because one was oh no, it was there was no empty overtime. Goal. Yeah. Yeah, so James Reimer leaves with five goals against 34 sa- uh, thirty-four shots against 29 saves. His worst game eight, so far. Five, three save percentage. Um, but there was penalties, man. That's the other half of it. What I think we're going to do, though, real quick, is we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back and talk about the power play and penalty kill. We mm-hmm. will talk about the Toronto game and then kind of, I think, what some changes may need to be made going forward if we want to kind of keep this season on track because they're already falling behind. So we'll be right back afterward from our sponsors to get to the rest of the games. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can bet on the Red Wings over in Sweden, hoping to come out with a big four points against the Maple Leafs and the Senators. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPENY or text HOPENY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. You know that the second October is over and November hits, the holiday season gets into full swing. We take down the pumpkins, break out the Mariah Carey, and do a lot of shopping. It may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. You've heard me talk about Raycon products before, how their audio products provide great sound quality and battery life, and that they're moving into the home space with things like air purifiers and water purifiers. But Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds, known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon Power Tech. Their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site 
with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com THPN. And this will be a depressing and we're back because it didn't oh. get any better. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about penalties and power plays and just how that our, our power play has been bad. Uh, the penalty oh, kill has been great. The, face of the, earth. the penalty kill has been great. So the Red Wings took, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six penalties in the game against Ottawa as to where Ottawa took three now they only scored on one so the penalty kill for detroit has been fantastic the power play my god they can't hit the broad side of a barn they try too much highlight real passing fancy stuff that doesn't work they drop the puck to absolutely no one at the line between the legs backwards pass a lot it's just or Larkin forcing it to the middle. Things go in between people's legs. So you want to talk about Jeff Petrie too, where pucks just magically go through his legs and he can't stop them. Uh, it just is, especially on special teams, like Bob Bugner, phenomenal. I'll keep Bob Bugner for another five years. The penalty kill is fantastic. Alex Tange seems to have only enough magic in the tank for like five games before he can't adjust anything at all. And it just it is an abysmal failure. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing when we talk about things that need to be fixed, that needs to be fixed immediately. That's moving Lucas Raymond back to power play one, a hundred percent. That's getting Larkin out of the bumper position. Larkin in the bumper has not been effective recently at all. Mm -hmm. Move him back to a flank. Like most cider on PP one quarterback. I'm worried about him being on a flank. Like if you want to use it, the best bumper, if you want to watch a team that runs a great bumper, watch Washington. Watch Washington. TJ Oshie is a beast in that bumper role. Dylan Larkin is not that same type of player. No. And Oshie creates his own space at all times. He also has one of the probably nicest quick release shot of a one-timer when it comes to those passes. If it's anywhere near his feet, he's pretty much getting a shot off. But he's also hitting sticks out of the way using his body to get a guy out of the way. Larkin kind of just floats in between them. I'm not saying that he's what he's doing is a bad thing, but there's a way you watch certain teams do it. That's why they're so effective with it, especially the Capitals. Detroit and Larkin, at least in the bumper, is not doing it that way. Larkin, there's a difference. So Lar- the difference is Larkin tries to find ice. Someone like Oshi creates ice. There you go. That's the difference. And that's not bad. Larkin is good at finding ice. It's not, but it's not working. No. So you know who I want on Power Play 1 bumper? Daniel Sprong. Oh, my God. Because Daniel Sprong can body people. Daniel Mm -hmm. Sprong, we've seen him shoot the puck, and he shoots it very well, and he has a quick release and a deceptive shot. Yep. He is quick with it. He is not afraid to go after it. He he is like an Oshi in that spot. That is who I want on a PP1 bumper. Put Lucas Raymond back on power play one, please. Especially with how he performed over in Sweden and how he's been going lately. I need him back on the top power play. So if you gave me Dylan Larkin, Daniel Sprong, Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, Alex Dabrinkit, 
send it like that. Come on, we got to do something different and we got to stop fancy passing and we got to start just putting the puck on the net. And I think it's just simplifying. They're, they're not playing a simple enough game, especially on the power play. And that's the first thing that needs to be fixed is that. So we played, we went from Ottawa. I think that wraps the Ottawa game to play Toronto. I mean, let's, well, we didn't really wrap the Ottawa game. We, the comeback was fantastic. They, sure, but it shouldn't have been that way. Like there, no. there's a, we, we talked about the gaffes early on that led to a four, nothing hole. The fact that they came back to at least somehow scavenge a point out of that game is fantastic. But what's crazy is that the way they scored those four goals to get back into the game is what you saw at the start of this season that had only has shown glimpses of what they can do. We saw it against the Rangers losing big. Then they score three goals. And you're like, where, where, why are you just now deciding to do this instead of, you know, the whole game, like the, the, the consistency piece isn't there. And that's I mean, we've frustrating. talked about it since game like seven, it's starting on time mm-hmm. and they kind of started on time here, they, but again, it's just great against Ottawa at the start. It just, it wasn't continually aggressive to keep that game going. And then they capitalized on all their chances. Like Ottawa capitalized on their chances. Detroit did not capitalize on their chances. And that was the tale of the first 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. Because the biggest thing was, is that Detroit, while they were in those high danger scoring areas, puck didn't go in the net. Ottawa got in those high danger zones. They put the puck in the net. And uh, Sherratt and Petrie get assists on those goals. Oof. Then we went on to play the Toronto Maple Leafs, and again, Confusing. I thought the game was good. Mm-hmm. It was a good game overall. We played them hard. We matched the level, if not exceeded it in most cases, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Real quick, what do you think of the Blue Helmets? I don't. I no opinion really. I mean, they're okay. I'm, I'm not mad again. about I, it. The blue is a weird color, and compared to the rest of the blue, it's it's a brighter blue. I feel like if they went matte with it, I feel like it'd look really good. But apparently the NHL, I believe, is approving helmet colors that do not match jersey colors going yeah. forward. So usually it was white on white. You see the wings always wearing their white helmets with the white jerseys. But uh, I yeah. think they can get away with it now, though, because of the silver helmets for the Kings and like the gold helmets for the Knights. Mm, that's so what we to now we can do weird colored helmets or whatever. Um, but the Toronto like, game, I don't care about the helmet. The helmets were fine with me. Yeah, I mean, anyways. it didn't bother me that much. They didn't say milk on it in big letters. So True. But it's funny. We're talking about the power play and how things are set up in Detroit. The first power play of the game, I believe, was against Toronto. Great puck movement. Larkin, he found, him, he found himself in space in the slot and ripped one off the shoulder. Great little pass. Like when he's got room in that bumper slot, it can be dangerous. Like he didn't miss by much on, his, on this attempt. If ifs and buts, Ryan, uh, mm-hmm. the Red Wings score zero power play goals during that game, which they're down to 20 percent on the year and number 16 in the league tied with Ottawa. Uh, but we did take, let's see, one, two, three, four. Another game where we took five penalties. Uh, Toronto took one, two, three, four, five, six, seven penalties. And when you have seven chances on the power play and you score a resounding zero times that's bad that's not good it's the opposite of good mm-hmm. now again the penalty kill especially with a team that's got a worse pk than you yeah but your your penalty kill killed it like 
Again, they score one power play goal. There were, that was the game where I said, there's no way that's a, I think I said twice, there's no way that's a penalty. And then I yelled at my TV about 15 other times for uncalled things. And I'm not going to blame it on that because again, the Red Wings didn't capitalize on their chances. They controlled play most of the time. I mean, your top players during that Toronto game, Ben Sherratt was your best player. Yeah. How the fuck that happens, I don't know. Well, it's because he wasn't on Jeff Petrie's flank. Like, Sherratt hasn't been, trying to use my words. Terrible. Terrible, for the most part, this season. He's been serviceable to he's been okay. good in limited role. Like when, But like I said, when he's with someone that lets him be free and float out there, like a Justin Hall, for example, it's actually been a decent pairing. Yeah, Justin Hull had a bad game against Toronto, uh, but Lucas Raymond, Alex DeBrinkett had great games. Daniel Sprong had a great game. Dylan Larkin played well. Sider played well. Rass was a mostly positive player. Yeah, weren't they out there for that third goal hole in Sherrod? That was bad. Yeah, Rasmus is taking stupid penalties. That's the other he, thing. He doesn't look comfortable out there. He got interfered with and was mad, so he held a jersey and got called. Uh, he, he hasn't seemed... I don't want to say right, but he he just does not look uncomfortable on the ice at all right now. And you need him to, because that's where some of your, where we expected some depth, uh, depth scoring to come from. This season was Michael Rasmussen. Depth scoring, good de- depth play. Defensive responsibility. Yep. Just a good overall utility player in Michael Rasmussen. And over the past stretch of five plus games, he hasn't been that. But your worst players in this game were JT Comfer, Andrew Cobb, David Perron, Justin Hole, Ole Mata, which is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, most nights, Justin Hole is a positive. Most nights, Ole Mata is a positive. Perron and Cobb go back and forth. Like you said earlier, Cobb's been more negative than positive recently. And But if you look at the Corsi, again, Red Wings are all decently positive at five on five. You've got your topper, Klim Costin, Dylan Larkin, Michael Rasmussen, Ben Sherratt, Alex Dabrinkit, Lucas Raymond, Daniel Sprung. Uh, below that is 50%. This is also where Jake Wallman gets injured, uh, flies collarbone first into the net uh, to where I cringed and said, that's not good. <laughs> I think those were the words that came out of my mouth and visibly in pain going off the ice. And I thought for sure he had a fractured and or broken collarbone. But as of today, Sam Stockton, uh, Sam Stockton is the hockey news. Uh, he's a the hockey news writer. He says that Jake Wallman is questionable to practice tomorrow and will at least have a chance to play on Wednesday. It sounds as though they avoided the worst case scenario, which is amazing because if you lost Jake Wallman, your team's absolutely screwed. Yeah, I, I'm actually very surprised by that. And I'm, I'm hopeful, but at the same time, like now are you going to be icing a guy that's fighting through something for the sake of being out there? I don't because... know. Someone else who watched it said what it looked like to them was a neck strain. Basically, he hit his neck in such a way on the net that mm-hmm. it maybe just pulled his shoulder down so that he strained his neck muscles, which I mean, four or five days, six days to come back from that could be all right. Um, you're probably still going to be pretty sore even if you got like especially if you have like a deep bruise but i don't think it's an unrealistic timetable if he did have like a fracture or something then you absolutely don't want him on the ice so if they're letting him get back into stuff then i my guess would be it's not super serious he of all the people you really can't have be missing ice time right now it's him 
yeah, we thought it might be a way to maybe get Simon Edvinson into the lineup uh, because they did also waive Austin Zarnick. Austin Zarnick did clear waivers to go back to Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lalone yeah, says there will be sign there too. Yeah, Lalone says there will not be a call up uh, unless Jake Wallman is not ready to go. Then there could possibly be a call up to replace Jake Wallman, which would have to be as soon as tomorrow, really. Yeah, in order to get today someone was in. what an optional skate, I think per Ansar. Yeah, that was the other thing. Today was an optional skate. Apparently, it's written into the CBA that the day after you come back from an overseas trip, the skate has to be optional. I searched the entire CBA and could not find that at all. Um, Honestly, should be a mandatory skate. Tomorrow should be a mandatory skate. That entire team should be out there practicing nothing but defense and power play. So I was curious, but uh, yeah, Petrie and Sherratt together, they've been out there for nine goals for seven against. They've got a Corsi combined of 43.48%. Let's see, their expected goals against is a a seven. But here's the fun one, Jeff Petrie and Ben Sherratt and Justin Hall. They've got a 43.48 Corsi four percentage. However, they've been on the goal on the ice for nine goals for. And only two against. Tells you that Justin Hole's a better defender than Jeff Petrie. They're more least, sound which together. we knew that. Expected their expected goals against is only a three six five. So it's yeah, d- almost double for Petrie and Sherratt together in comparison. I think what it is is it's just there's they they lose it at the most inopportune times when Petrie and Sherratt are on the ice together. It's like their brains are so connected that they both short circuit simultaneously <laughs> and they both just stop playing hockey which and it's at the worst time when a dude's just flying down ice right to the goal like Portois flying down the ice and Ben Chirac goes bye and he blows right past him and he scores a goal like it's it needs to stop and I think that brings us into I and mean, other than that Toronto ends up um pulling back winning three to two in regulation with like what was it like two seconds left or something. I know it was two seconds left in overtime when Otto, when we lost Ottawa. Ottawa won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Toronto, we lost 3 2 in regulation when that was a very winnable game for them. They could have won uh, that game. 2 nothing in running the third. And yep. they just, they, they sat back on their heels and against a team against, like Toronto with some of the top players in hockey easily. You can't do that. And they shut them down for the most part. They did because they were skating. They played hard until the third period. Which again, they started on time. Arguably, they held. It was what scoreless through one, right? And yep, they, but they didn't look bad. All things considered, like both teams had their chances. Both teams played great defense, and goaltending was on point. But Detroit, God bless Alex Lyon for having his first start of the season against one of the top and hottest teams in hockey. Arguably, yeah. like you held your own until you pretty much got hung out to dry. We need to talk about Alex Lyon, I think. Alex Lyon made timely saves. If Alex Lyon, if you copied that Alex Lyon performance to the Ottawa game, you win that Ottawa game. Yeah. So Alex Lyon deserves, I think, right now to be the backup. He needs to be the consistent backup. He needs to get some starts. Give Billy Huso a week off for maternity leave, whatever you got to do. Yes, give Alex Lyons to him and his wife. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, come back and play better hockey. But <laughs> Alex Lyon, I think that he proved right there he needs to get some starts. 
Rest James Reimer, play Alex Lyon. Alex Lyon should get the next start, honestly. Like against the Devils on Thursday, give Lyon the game. Wednesday. On Wednesday, yeah, sorry. Give Alex Lyon the game. Because he showed in that game against, like you said, one of the toughest teams in the league. Who he has played well in his short yeah. NHL time as well. That was a good, that was a, a favorable matchup. That he can do it. And he he helped carry the Florida Panthers to the playoffs last season. Mm-hmm. And Iserman's all about these guys who have one good season trying to hope they carry that over. Now, it didn't work with Ned. And so That's far has not, not worked with Musso. So. But maybe Alex Lyon can do it. And I think you just need you need to give him a shot because what, what do you got to lose? If someone's g- given up four, might as well let Lyon give up four, right? Well, because I mean, Musso's point, always losing, good for three. They're losing points in the standings because now they're fifth in the Atlantic after they've been hovering at second. So they're now four points behind Florida. After the Sweden series, they're three points behind Toronto, one point behind Tampa, and they've got Boston two back and Ottawa three back. You needed to come out, and we said it before, you need to come out of that weekend with three points. You came out with one. So now you need to scramble to figure something out. And I think I want to hear from you, Ryan, first. Your biggest area that needs improvement and I guess how we go about fixing that. Because there's some things we need to do to get get the team back on track, but winning games again. Because if you start faltering now, there's zero chance you make playoffs this season. I mean, outside of the obvious is starting on time. Like the defense is a legitimate problem. And I think at the top of that list of having issues, you've got Jeff Petrie. Ben Sherratt is a close second, depending on who who you've got him lined up with. I mean, we we know that him and Hull together is actually a formidable pairing. I shouldn't say formidable, but they're uh, serviceable. Serviceable. <laughs> there we go. Um, Gostas Bear, he has done what you would hope for in terms of offense, but he's cooled off like no other. And defensively, he's not. that's not what you should be relying on him necessarily for. Can he do it? Yes, he's aggressive. He's a good skater. He can get himself out of certain situations, and his passing is a, a huge plus. Olimata, I don't think, has been remotely good enough. And he's had too many moments of kind of like a charade where he's like, my controller's dead or I'm just completely not sure what I'm what I'm actually supposed to be doing here. That one of all people I think I'm most surprised by for not being up to par for what we've seen in the last couple of years. So and then you could argue that there's been points where Wallman and Cider could also have been better, but they're still some of your most consistent in terms of getting the puck out, moving it around the boards, aggressive on the boards, and helping push the team through any issues. You're relying on them the most right now, and it shows. And when they're not on, it makes it even more obvious or glaring when your depth guys aren't on. So to me, you shake up your bottom pair over anything, and you got to have that conversation, I think, with Petrie at this point. Like, hey, Cool, you've got us some points. You helped beat Columbus, which we should have beat them anyways. But <laughs> yeah, you you, you won us a this. very winnable game. You need to accept these waivers because right now it's not it's not helping the team and it's not working out. And I mean, I guess it, well, you'd have to tell them, hey, you you either sit in the press box or you can go play some games in Grand Rapids. I mean, that's where you just see them end up calling somebody up and they're like, all right, well, he's going to play over you. Yeah, and because you can't trade him. No one's taking that contract. Nope. You and can't retain it anymore. 
you can't retain anymore. So two retention slots have already been. Which I did not realize he was already retained twice before that, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't retain any salary on Jeff Petrie to try to offload him. No one's going to want it anyways. And again, because he has a no movement clause, he can't be waived without his permission. Yep. So you're going to have to have the tough talk like, dude, you're, you're killing us out there. And we need to we need to make a change so that we are a better team. So you need to take these waivers, go to Grand Rapids, or you get waived and you just sit for 30 days and we figure out what we can do because you can waive them and still carry them or you can waive yep. them and you can send them to Grand Rapids. So I think that needs to happen. You're right about Ben Sherratt. Um, ben Sherratt is only good in limited time and only good with probably Justin Hole. Um, yeah. because Justin Hole can make up for his defensive lapses, which he seems to now frequently have. Yeah, Hole likes to call himself a two AD man, but I really see him more as a defensive type because, yeah, like you said, he's he's at home more often than not. The only exception I think I've had that I really didn't like what he did was that ended up game winning goal against Toronto. Yeah, so I would agree with your position on defense needs a change. I think there are ways we can do it from within the system. I think there yes. are. Well, before this to. goalie debacle, I thought there were ways we could do it by making a trade of a goalie. But I don't think, unless something, some GM wants to take a flyer and is stupid. But I don't think that's going to happen now. But I think you can fix it from within with guys like Simon Edvinson. Bring him in because Simon Edvinson can learn at the NHL level by making the same amount of mistakes that Jeff Petrie has made. But at that point, it's a learning experience for him. Simon mm. Edvinson brings a much larger offensive upside than Jeff Petrie does. And you know what? He can make up for any gaffe offensively by skating back. Oh, sure. Yeah. He's a phenomenal skater. That's the other half of it too. He's not 35 years old. No. So I, I think that that's the opportunity there that you just had a big break. You need to do something to get your team back on the right track. Do I think they do it? No, I don't Probably think not. anything changes. Um, if Newsy rolls out that pair again of Petrie Sherratt, at that point, you got to question coaching and what the hell are you doing? You can look, they've got access to the same stuff and more than what we have mm -hmm. access to. Eyeballs, they've got those as well. And you're going to start losing a lot of the fan base. And they've already lost a good chunk because they're already yep. calling. Well, There's already people playing. pissed off coming into the season. So that that group is getting louder and those that were on the fence are now like what what are we doing here so i think that's the one thing that needs to change i would point out that my my big change that needs to happen and we talked about a little bit is power play yeah i mean you got to get back alex tangay has got to give his head a shake and figure this thing out because what you're rolling out there time and time again is not working you need to change players on the units i already said put daniel sprong in the bumper i think he's more than proven that he deserves that chance. Give him the chance to do it. Uh, put Lucas Raymond back on PP1. I think that you need to shake something up because if you're not scoring now, switch it up and see if you do score. And if you don't, you weren't doing it with the pair you were already trotting out there and the system you were already using. So try failing a different way, okay. I guess. That's the best way to, to put it. Fail fast. Put something out there. Try it a few times. If it doesn't work, switch it again. And I'm not condoning a lineup blender but i am condoning a power play blender currently to see if there's anything you can do to get it to work because right now it's not working i i, I still don't really have an issue with what it is they're trying to do i think you that mean system wise the system wise i still sure. think 
is good. I've liked Tangay has shown from the get go that what he's trying to implement is effective. And we saw it to start the year. We saw it the last couple of years in the preseason in particular. And at the start of the season, I guess. So it's kind of been, it's rearing its ugly head all over again. But they're now just becomes, they're stagnant. And I've said it, I think, time and time again, overload your first power play unit. And that, if it doesn't work, then maybe you shift to a second one. But you run those guys for two minutes. You look at these top teams, their top players are on the ice for two minutes on a power play. If they're not scoring, then they ch- they maybe change it up later on. But more often than not, they are out there that entire time trying to go put that puck in the net. That's what I would like to see. It, but biggest thing is, to your point, Debrinket needs to, to simplify, and Larkin in particular needs to simplify. Those two, I feel like, are trying to get, make that one extra play. And Debrinket need a longer stick. Because how many times... Does it seem like, have you noticed how often he is seemingly whiffing on the puck? He is, and I think he's trying. So the comment he made before the season was that he gripped it too tight or got a little lazy. Now I think he's trying to be too fast. Yeah, He's trying to get it off too quickly, and he's hitting the puck before the puck's there. That's what the problem's been. He, now, he did, he did like have a goal nothing. against Ottawa. Yeah, but, but it seems like when he's getting ready to make something happen, he tops it. He's coming right over, right over top. Yeah, he's so getting a little he, fast. That's not to say that what they're seeing isn't there. It's the execution piece. We know that these guys have the talent to do it. Either they're staring it down too long or just one extra play that happens that doesn't need to happen. Go back to what was working. Move the puck quick. Have some guys start rotating over top of each other. Goals will happen. We saw it early in the season. When the power play looks really good, we see it happen then too. When they're moving and that puck is moving with it, this is a dangerous unit. It's just not happening. So change the personnel. See if different personnel yeah. work in the system that you're Brown trying is to too work. Streaky with. in general right now. Like I'm, I'd be totally fine with that. Well, we play the Devils next. Uh, not <laughs> that happy about that. Jack Hughes, is, Jack Hughes is back. Uh, Didn't Nico he score Heath last here. night too? I don't know. I didn't watch games last night. I had other stuff. Pretty to do. sure I he had, even scored in his return. I played games last night. That's what I did. Um, but it's Nico Hishier still out. They don't know when he's going to be back. Timo Meyer's uh, out. He's getting, he's getting close. Timo's out. So you got, and I'm really tired of saying you got a chance because I've said that the past two episodes okay. and you have failed each time I have said that. But Friday night, you got a chance. Jack Hughes came back Friday night and did indeed have a goal. You got a chance against the Devils. And you should learn from that this past weekend, not weekend really because it was Thursday, Friday, but learn from these past two games what you need to do going forward. I hope because so if you, because they're not learning from the other games that have looked very similar. If you don't, you're going to lose again. People are just going to keep getting pissed off. And again, we said Iserman should not be a seller at this deadline. And if you keep sliding like this, Iserman's a seller at the deadline and you set yourself back again. So come out strong, play a full keys to the game, Ryan, play a full fucking 60 minutes. Yeah. I need to hear that from Mickey. Stay out of the penalty box. Just stay out of it. Score on the power play. Those are the keys to the game. Don't here you go. Uh, Derek Lalone, your key to the game. Don't put Ben Sherratt and Jeff Petrie together. Jeff Petrie should sit again. I just, 
Even with an injury, he shouldn't be in the lineup. You got to win this game. I think that tells you, though, that he is going to be sitting because Lalone mentioned that if Wallman's a go, they're not calling somebody up. So they've got their six in place. That does not include Jeff Petrie. Fingers crossed. Sure, but we've, we've thought that before, and he's scratched Shane Goss to spare for having a bad game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. And, but, I'm, but to that point, like if Wallman is out, they are calling somebody up. So does that mean we get Edvinson? Does that mean that he is going to play and it's not going to be Jeff Petrie? You would think so. Right? right? Yeah, I guess, I guess my other part is let's just also hope that Dylan Larkin is like fully healthy now. Because he scared us a couple times, thought for sure he pulled his groin before Ooh, the Sweden that trip. Face off with Ottawa. Yeah, before the Sweden trip, we—I mean—you could tell he was not a hundred percent and didn't feel great. And he—he's just a, a step off of what normal Dylan Larkin is. Still effective, but mm-hmm. a step off from what he is when a hundred percent healthy. So let's hope that he comes back at a hundred percent against the Devils. And that they can win this game because, I mean, something's got to flip again and they need to go back. They need to win two or three of the next games in order to get back in that conversation because Thanksgiving is uh, this week. So uh, we're we're in trouble here pretty soon. But, Ryan, I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off on uh, what hopefully is one of our last depressing episodes. I don't even know what to even go into with final thoughts on this one. It's outside of don't do what you've been doing. I mean, it's we've kind of been hitting on the same things over and over again. You've got certain players that have been hurting your team. Like the the things that they're trying to do, at least on the coaching side of things. And I, I can't blame people that say what's it, it, that it is on coaching because you see a lot of the same mistakes happening. And personnel is one way to do it. Changing what it is that you're doing is another way to do it. So I think what we've, highlighted is what we can hope for in terms of no more Jeff Petrie. We see a little bit of a shakeup on the power play unit, but that would be to stack your unit, not just try to spread the wealth out, if you will, because your power play is supposed to be your best players on the ice to go get you a goal. And that means I did the line you highlighted earlier was what Raymond cider Larkin Debrinket, and Daniel Sprong, Daniel Sprong. Go for it. Don't put Andrew Kopp out there. I'll tell you that right now. There, there's your best example of a Val Philpel at the moment. I think we're about to turn blue by saying you, get, you play a full game of hockey. Because when they do it, we know how good they can be. And honestly, if you don't do that come Wednesday, you're, you're going to be in for a hurt, especially with a potentially healthy uh, New Jersey team. So they got to figure it out. I hope it's not as bad come Sunday because I'll be back at a game on Sunday. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, oh, and I can finally pick up my Homer bobblehead at that game as well. Nice. That, uh, that freaking debacle. But already ran 33. Yeah, I guess my final thoughts are just beat the Devils, please, before I have to start saying we need to fire people and trade people and blow everything up. Um, but you can follow me online at Bring the Wing. You follow Grindland Podcast online at Grindland Pod. A good shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network and thank them for hosting us and spreading us around. Also, Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. I also give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape. If you use the promo code Grindline, you get 10% off your order. Same promo code on Bring Hockey Back gets you 12%. You can check out our merch on RedBubble.com by searching the Grindline. And you can go see our beautiful faces and fancy stats on YouTube. 
uh, just go search The Grind Line on YouTube and sub to us and turn on notifications and get alerted whenever episodes go live. But that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Akitam.